This Janet Meffer Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. We're trying to provide 100 refugee families with emergency supplies and the gospel during this urgent time of crisis. Your gift of $116 will help two families. Please help today by calling 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us. The Supreme Court recently said it would not hear the case of former Kentucky County Clerk Kim Davis. You'll remember Kim was sued by two homosexual couples because she stopped issuing all marriage licenses in order to avoid violating her Christian faith. And you'll recall that she ended up in jail for five days after a judge ordered her to issue those licenses anyway. AP notes Davis had argued that a legal doctrine called qualified immunity protected her from being sued for damages by these couples. The high court has now left in place this lower court decision that their case against Davis won't be thrown out. It's now going to move forward. Now, interestingly enough, Justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito reiterated in declining the case that the redefinition of marriage that the court imposed on America in 2015 is found nowhere in the text of the Constitution and threatens Americans' religious liberty. And they're right about that. The Supreme Court, remember, gave Christian baker Jack Phillips a narrow victory in his case about baking the cake, but it has yet to rule definitively on the religious liberties that Americans have in the age of Obergefell v. Hodges. We don't have very clear uh, path forward on that particular issue, and we need one from the Supreme Court. Also, what will this all mean if Joe Biden is elected in light of his radical plans to advance the LGBTQ plus movement in America and also around the world? We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to do it with Stephen Black, Executive Director of First Stone Ministry and author of Freedom Realized. Stephen, welcome. It's wonderful to have you back. How are you? I'm good. We just had this um, amazing event here in Oklahoma City, and the afterglow of that, we're, we're pretty pumped. Well, I'm really excited about that. I know that you had screened the movie in his image, right? That's that, what you were that, doing. That's right. And we had the panel discussion, and it was almost 500 people attended last night uh, to a movie. Uh, in a, uh, a an auditorium that would seat about 4,000, so social distancing, you know, people were safe and people felt great, and the the reaction was absolutely phenomenal in providing truth and hope and the freedom of the gospel for uh, LGBTQ people. Well, this is important, and I want to get into this a little bit, this Supreme Court decision, because yep. this all ties together our religious liberty, the view of gender and sexuality that is, you know, on the table all the time now in the United States. What do you make of the of the idea here that the Supreme Court is not taking Kim Davis's case? They don't so far, at least, want to rule on this issue of Christians freedom of religion over and against so-called gay rights. What, what, what is your take on this? Well, my, temp, my, my first take is, is it seems a bit cowardice on the part of those that, um, um, you know, are being uh, excoriated by the the you know the left and the the gay activism, um, no doubt it will be a battle. But we're talking about the uh, the freedom, religious liberties being under attack. The the Biden Harris. When you go to their page and you start unpacking 
their ideas are taking what was the Equality Act and putting it on steroids in what they would want to do in changing our country on this. And so my, my first take on it is that they're, they're not being genuine to being constitutionalists themselves by not uh, addressing this. Well, that's the, the the difficult point about all this. Now, these justices said they agreed that the court should not take Kim Davis's case because they said it did not cleanly present the important questions about the scope of the Obergefell decision. So maybe they were looking for a broader case on which they actually could address the constitutionality of Obergefell. But be that as it may, you raised an important point, Stephen, because if Joe Biden is elected in November, he has already outlined what I've kind of jokingly called 50 miles of plans on his campaign website about what he wants to do for the LGBTQ plus movement. And for a lot of Christians, Stephen, they might be saying they got so-called gay marriage. They've got all their transgender stuff. They got the Bostock decision at the Supreme Court a few months ago. What more could they possibly want? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I was going to say, tell tell people what they want. Yeah, well, you, you this reminds me of when Obama was first coming in to to try to you know to, to persuade people that he was actually not really for gay marriage, right? And everybody said, no, you know, it, it'll be okay. No, it, and and remember what happened. And maybe your listeners need a, a little history lesson. That is, is as soon as he went into office, what went up on the White House page was a gay agenda outlined. And civil unions was up in front. And then, you know, the push for gay marriage. So when you, this is what I I look at this. When I look at what they're actually stating uh, beforehand, you can multiply this by double what they actually want. And this is what I really want to focus in on is the children. Our children, they, they have that Q, that letter Q and the plus sign. And people need to understand LGBT and the Q and that plus sign, that actually means something. And if we really if if we really love our kids and love family, we need to understand there is an agenda to actually promote at the youngest levels of the normalization of LGBTQ and marriage equality and normalization and then to bring in and I know it sounds crazy but actual love is love, love is love, no matter what age, pedophilia. Well, this is what's come up in California recently with this this bill that has passed into law, signed into law by Gavin Newsom, that now justices can decide whether or not they want to mandate sex offender registries for males who have you know, preyed on young males as long as there's a 10-year age difference. And people have been talking about this. What What is this the gateway toward, you know, the, the next move of pedophilia, pederasty? What do we call it? But do you see that California law that was recently passed kind of paving the way for what's coming next? Oh, absolutely. And you've got the American Psychological Association throwing around terminology that promotes the idea of pedophilia as MAPS, Minor Attracted Persons. So they're dumbing down the idea of pedophilia and trying to normalize it as an orientation that is legitimate. And so they, they want to say there needs to be a 10-year span. That's, you know, that's their beginning, right? right? Because they never stop. It just continues on. And from a Judeo-Christian 
biblical worldview, we understand that sin never stays still. Hmm. It, it continues to erode, and it continues to morph, and with sexual sin, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we see this, you know, through the biblical judgments in the Scripture that this this is what happens in a society, and this is what we are up against. And people should not be naive and thinking, no, it couldn't possibly be this, because I'm telling you, being in this ministry for over 30 years, it absolutely is a trajectory for this. Oh, yeah. I mean, 15 years ago, who in the world would have predicted so-called gay marriage would become legal in the United States of America? It would have been absolutely unthinkable. And, you know, you raised a really important point that I I know we're not going to have time to fully get into before the break, but we're going to try here. Joe Biden has said he wants to pass and sign the Equality Act as one of his top legislative priorities, doing it within the first 100 days in office. And as the Heritage Foundation has pointed out, and it picks up on this whole theme that you just mentioned of what the harm is for children. They've pointed out this could lead to federal courts or future presidential administrations imposing nationwide mandates to incorporate sexual orientation and gender identity into the curriculum in all public schools. Not only that, we'd be back with the forced restroom locker room issue, the forcing of biological males competing on girls' sports teams, requiring teachers and students to use preferred names and pronouns of anybody who identifies as transgender. And it just goes on and on and on. In fact, let me mention one more. The Equality Act, they say, would require medical professionals to perform irreversible gender transition procedures on minors, regardless of conscientious objection or even best medical judgment. That's what's coming if Joe Biden and his LGBTQ plus friends get their way. It's very serious. We need to take it seriously. We will pause for a short break, but we'll be back with Stephen Black here on Janet Mefford today. Hi, this is Janet Mefford for Preborn. Candace talks about finding out she was pregnant. Thankfully, an ultrasound provided by Preborn allowed her to hear her baby's heartbeat. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. Preborn has 10 centers that do not have ultrasound machines. Would you make a leadership gift and sponsor a machine today? These life-saving machines cost more than most centers can afford. Your tax-deductible gift of $15,000 will place a machine in a needy women's center and save countless lives for years to come. To donate, call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-BABY, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. For several years now, Syrians have been pouring into the country of Lebanon to seek refuge in amid terrorism and civil war. Now the crisis in Lebanon has escalated in the aftermath of COVID-19, a crumbling economy, and a devastating explosion in Beirut. Yet the spiritual crisis in Lebanon is the most devastating crisis of all because many people there have still never heard anything about Jesus. That's why Heart for Lebanon is on the ground ministering to hurting refugee families in the South and the Bekaa Valley 
Valley in Lebanon, providing emergency supplies, Christian education, Bible studies, and worship gatherings for these refugee families. And the impact is incredible. Your investment of $116 will help two families impacted by the crisis in Lebanon to get emergency supplies that they need to survive during the next 60 days. But best of all, these families will hear the gospel of Jesus for the very first time. A gift of $58 is enough to help one family. Can you help? Call now, 888-247-5499. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, if you have a few hours to kill, you can always go over to the Joe Biden campaign website and read all of the things that he plans to do for the LGBTQ plus community if he is to be elected president. Stephen Black, executive director with First Stone Ministries, is joining us. We're talking kind of about what is to come under the Democrats in particular if this election goes their way. And Stephen, I was mentioning some of the ramifications. Joe Biden wants to pass the Equality Act within the first one. 100 days of uh, his tenure as president if he is elected. Now, we've got the Bostock decision already in place from the Supreme Court, which puts sexual orientation and gender identity protections into federal law, even though it's not written there. They've just imposed that meaning. How do you see this issue of the effects on children, the mandating of uh, potential mandating of curriculum that you have to learn about the LGBT propaganda? This is just like you said before, it's just going to be the same thing, but but ramped up to high heaven. This is just going to be the whole thing on steroids. It really is. It's it's it is an unfortunate brainwashing and confusion at the, you know, more most formative years of development and then even into puberty and by the by the time they enter into puberty it's sowing such a deep source of confusion i mean we're already dealing with it at levels that we have never seen in 30 years of ministry i cannot imagine what it would be like under a biden harris uh, administration with them promoting all of this at the you know elementary school level but they would and they would demand it, and they would demand this at, at, at the medical level as well, like you had mentioned before the break. I mean, people need to understand just at an economic level what this would do to the country uh, in the medical industry uh, when this all starts to go awry and starts falling apart, um, and we start seeing all of these people uh, 10, 20 years later down the road who were, you know, in their teenage years, and then they they wake up one day and they figure out, oh my gosh, you know, I was led into a place of of darkness by what was supposed to be, you know, love and and goodwill, Hmm. and and actually their lives are destroyed. And and this is what they're going to propose, and people need to really think hard and long about the economic consequences of this at the medical level. Uh, but then also all kinds of lawsuits. I can see all kinds of things happening on the horizon that looks really dark coming towards uh, the the um, the medical industry. And then don't think for a moment that they're not after the church. Yep. Uh, even as uh, Dr. Michael Brown said very clearly in the, in this documentary last night, it was like. Folks, that we are the last stand for a, an all-out LGBTQ mindset in this culture yep. is the church. Yep. It's the church and the Word of God, yes. and they're attacking that. 
Well, they certainly are. You know, I want to get a little bit more personal with you at this juncture because, you know, we've had you on the show many, many times. You're you're one of our heroes. But what you do there at First Stone Ministries is so important. You work with people who are involved in sexual brokenness of some type and especially people who are coming out of homosexuality or want to or other kinds of sexual brokenness. But how has this issue of growing gay rights affected your ministry? Just from a practical standpoint, when we're talking about the loss of religious freedom among Christians. How has the growth of this movement impacted First Stone? Well, it, it you know, of course, we're in a, a pretty safe state right now, but nationwide, to be able to do ministry in other places, they have bans, uh, what's called a conversion therapy bans in, in over 50 different municipalities and, and uh, counties and, and different governmental uh, levels of authority, but then you've got 18 states that have also passed these ruse termed called conversion therapy that make it impossible to even even help a, uh, someone uh, 18 years or younger. And so this is a direct assault on being able to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ and counseling and pastoral care to people that really do want it or being able to even communicate it. As you may have heard, you know, this last week, there's you got massive uh, censoring taking place with Facebook taking down the Restored Hope Network page. Yes. And anyone that would proclaim freedom from homosexuality uh, is being viewed with uh, vile intentions and even hostile intentions. You've got some of these people that, you know, they, they present themselves as really nice and sweet, but then behind the scenes they're actually calling for the burning down of evangelical churches. And so this is what we're up against, and it's real, and it's only going to get worse with this, you know, this, this kind of this social justice, black lives uh, movement, and, and the, the marrying of the gay rights movement with this, yes. this violence that's going on in our culture. So there is a crosshairs, actually, on, even on our lives. They're, they're, they're saying that we shouldn't, we shouldn't live. We should, we should not be here. Uh, because we're so, uh, uh, you know, unkind, unloving yeah. in their views. Well, so this is this is what we're up against. It is what we're up against. Here, let me read a little portion here of the Biden LGBTQ plus plan off his campaign website. One of the things that he has pledged to do is ban so-called conversion therapy. And I, I find it kind of funny that he calls it so-called conversion therapy because nobody who does what you do calls it that. But he says hundreds of thousands of LGBTQ plus individuals have been subjected to so-called conversion therapy during their lifetime. I question that, which Biden knows is deeply harmful, highly unscientific and often leads to trauma. The Obama Biden administration supported legislative efforts to ban conversion therapy against minors. But today this practice is only fully banned for minors in 19 states. As president, Biden will work to enact the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act. So what he's talking about there, Stephen, is to go beyond just those, I guess, 19 states that have banned ministries like yours and banned practices of, you know, psychologists who do talk therapy and so forth for people who've been sexually abused in many cases. This would be a federal 
you know, top down law on the entire country. Nobody, I guess, who's who's a child, especially who's been sexually abused like you were. You can't seek help if you have unwanted same sex attraction. That's that would be banned in the United States of America, where we're supposed to have individual freedom and liberty. That's right. Making that Q and that plus sign in that LGBTQ plus normalized from from elementary school up in all higher learning and and across even the church. You must accept it. It would be a demand for gay marriages in the most uh, Bible-believing uh, churches. So it would be an all-out persecution against the church. Well, it would. One thing I want to bring up, and I know this is a little touchy, but I think in the interest of truth, we have to talk about this a little bit. There was a story that appeared a few days ago, Richard Grinnell, whom a lot of people appreciate. He's a cabinet advisor to Trump. Uh, But he said Trump has been the best president ever for the gay and lesbian community. And I understand they're trying to reject the idea that just because you're gay, it doesn't mean you have to be a Democrat. But on the other hand... (laughs) I think there are a lot of us that hear that and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does that mean that the GOP is giving up on this issue? Because I'm telling you what, Stephen, if the GOP gives up on this issue in the name of getting more votes, that's going to be even worse for Christians. And, and Trump thus far has been very supportive of the Christian community. How do you, how do you assess this particular thing? Well, it's, it's certainly political. It's certainly a, a posturing move. And uh, to be friendly towards, uh, you know, something that a lot of people have still a lot of ambivalence about. And so you have, you know, the independents and you have some of these now unfortunate Republicans that are capitulating on this issue. And so it's to look friendly that way. And then he's got, like, he's got this Grinnell guy, and he's got also his daughter and his, his son-in-law, yep. who are very pro-gay. And so he's got pro-gay voices in his head. But when he communicates about family and ethics, it's like, you know, um, you should be able to tie these things together. And you would hope that some of these godly advisors around him would start connecting the dots why this would be so corrupting to the family and to the culture. And, you know, again, that's why I want to call for, like, courage in some of these people and in, in our vice president. And uh, those that are around the president need to advise him uh, very clearly why uh, this pro-gay movement within the Republican Party is not helpful at all. Well, I'm getting tired of people issuing the line that this issue is over, we've lost. I mean, perhaps it is the case that temporarily we've lost and and in the providence of God, maybe the Lord's going to come back quickly and we're never going to be able to reverse all of this. But just as a Christian, it concerns me, Stephen, because I know what is right and I know what is wrong. And I know, just as you do, what is to come for the church if this movement continues to gain ground. And it does concern me greatly. Uh, I'm as happy as I am that there has been such a huge push on the pro-life issue, which is fantastic. I have seen not a lot of movement on this issue. I don't know how much the Christian advisors are pushing for this with Trump, but it is going to explode if Christians do not begin to communicate their concerns, not only to the people they may have contact with who are advisors to Trump, but especially to their representatives and their senators. This is coming like a freight train, Stephen, and I don't know how much more we can say to get people and to get Christians on board and understand the dangers here for us. Well, and that's why, you know, the, like this movie and what we do in preaching the gospel 
and a, a clear message needs to be given. And it begins with us, uh, you know, to get on our knees. But we need courageous church leaders, courageous church men, courageous church women that will stand up and speak the truth and say enough is enough on trying to uh, redefine the family and redefine what human sexuality is about and and say we cannot put up with this. And there needs to be a call for repentance in the church. Yep, absolutely. we got to leave it there, unfortunately. But check out FirstStone.org, First Stone Ministries. Stephen Black, thank you so much. Stephen, God bless you, and thanks Always. for being here. Yep, thank you so much. We'll be back. This Janet Meffer Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Heart for Lebanon. We're trying to provide 100 refugee families with emergency supplies and the gospel during this urgent time of crisis. Your gift of $116 will help two families. Please help today by calling 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, you know, when we came to the end of the Russia collusion hoax and the impeachment hoax that President Trump had to go through, I thought, okay, well, at least we're putting that huge, complicated story to bed. We don't have to worry about something that complicated again. And it's an important story, no doubt about it. But there were so many players, and it was so hard for people to really get the scope of how serious it was and how many people were involved that I think that is probably one of the reasons that a lot of Americans kind of glossed over it because it was so complicated. I'm always mindful of that, having written journalism stories in the past as a reporter, you want to be able to say things in a way that the reader will understand. And that was an awfully difficult story for people to understand other than the takeaway, which is hoax. The whole thing was a hoax. Everybody got that point, I would think, at least um, people who are thinking straight. Now, though, we probably are on the cusp of a much bigger story. And I'm saying that because we are seeing such weird things happening in this country and, and it starts with this Hunter Biden story in the New York Post, all of the emails that have been uncovered in his hard drive off his computer that he didn't pick up. He notified the, the shop owner, notified the FBI. The FBI didn't do anything about it. He gave some of those copies to some of his friends. So in case he turned up dead, his friends would know what was on it. And it's not even something that you can laugh at or or even look a little askance at because we know how people have disappeared who were on the wrong side of the DNC in the past. I'm just saying, I don't have any proof of anybody doing anything to anybody specifically, but it's been discussed for quite some time. So I want to go to some of the audio that has come out of interviews that have been done over the weekend with Rudy Giuliani, former New York City mayor. This is really important stuff, and I want you to listen to some of what he had to say. First, from One American News, he was asked about the hard drive information, and I want you to listen to this cut. This is cut three. We've seen about uh, 5% of it. So what it is, is uh, it's Hunter Biden's hard drive, what looks like his main computer, probably from about 20-something or other until 2020, beginning of 2020. It contains thousands and thousands of emails and texts and a couple thousand photographs and videos. We spent some time 
verifying it. Can you talk about that verification sure. process? Sure. I mean, there, there are things in it that only Hunter Biden would know mm. because I did a big, exhaustive investigation of this a year, year and a half ago, have a lot of confidential sources. And there, I'll give you an example. There's a meeting, uh, completely illegal, by the way, a meeting with the Deputy Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, uh, in which uh, Hunter Biden is, is lobbying him on behalf of Burisma. We talked about this a year right, ago. Which is a violation of the right. Foreign Agents Registration Act, for which Paul Manafort went to prison, by the way. There's no record of that in the State Department because they brought him in the back door so that they wouldn't have to make a record of it. And the email and text trail explains the whole thing on that very date that our anonymous source told us the meeting took place. Now, think about that for a moment. If Hunter Biden was ushered in through the back door to have a meeting with the deputy secretary of state, then you have at least the likelihood that the State Department itself was in on this. To some extent, they knew what was going on. Who knows what kinds of strings they might have pulled. But you're talking about explanation now for why there has been censorship from these big tech operators, Twitter and Facebook, for example, and how they don't want anybody to get information out about the New York Post bombshell story about Hunter Biden's emails. This is another deep state thing. It looks like it's going to be another deep state thing. In fact, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin over the weekend called on Christopher Wray, the FBI director, to either confirm or deny details regarding this laptop that belonged to Hunter Biden. He said in a letter to Wray that Fox News obtained that a whistleblower contacted his committee on September 24th, claiming to possess this laptop that Hunter Biden left at the business and that he had turned it over to the FBI. Johnson noted that staff immediately asked the FBI to confirm certain details in order to validate the claim, but the Bureau said it would not confirm or deny any of the information included in their request. Does that sound a little suspect to you? The fact that the FBI knew about this and didn't do anything about it and told Senator Johnson, mm, now we're not going to confirm or deny. You are responsible for confirming or denying what's going on when you have a senator ask you. He even said this. Uh, senator Johnson said the FBI has a duty to inform us if they believe this was maybe Russian disinformation. They should give us a defensive briefing. By the way, that's what they're throwing out there. That's what the left is throwing out there now. Oh, we all know this is disinformation from the Russians. They are quaking. They are quaking. Now, I want to go on to another cut here from Rudy Giuliani. Another mode of verification, apparently confirming all this, was reaching out to the recipients of some of the emails that were sent off that laptop. And there are people who have verified they did receive the emails that were sent off that laptop. This is also helping to undermine the left's claim that this is all disinformation. Listen to cut four. Not only that, if you have a look at the photographs here, you would know it has to be his because nobody else would keep something like this other than him. The photographs can only be described as disgusting, bordering on, possibly perverted. The Delaware repair shop has since been the subject of scrutiny for its role in coming forward with the laptop and hard drive. The owner had given a copy of the hard drive to the FBI and then a copy to Giuliani's attorney, Robert Costello. The computer had been legally abandoned, says Giuliani, and this was where the Biden's woes began. The laptop was dropped off and signed for. Specifically, there's a, there's a signature from Hunter Biden, which basically says that it's abandoned if you don't pick it up in a certain period of time. It had 
been quite some time since he picked it up. Past the legally abandoned stage, the repair shop says Giuliani decided to take a look at what was inside. The man never really was interested in the hard drive until he was listening to, um, I guess, some of the coverage around the impeachment and stuff like that. He got very angry because he thought that a lot of things that were being said seemed very strange to him. So he looked at it, and when he looked at it, he was immediately struck by the fact that it contained, I can't really describe the photos. Publication of the content of these emails have resulted in mass censorship by big tech giants Twitter and Facebook, who have shut down everyone from White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany for sharing an article about this story, to the Trump campaign and even journalists on the left. Giuliani tells One American News, this is just a fraction of the scandal that is about to be leaked in the days to come. Very interesting. He also spoke, by the way, Giuliani did to the Daily Caller. And this, when I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, this is nothing to laugh at. The idea that this laptop guy was scared for his life, potentially. Giuliani addressed that when the reporter kind of giggled about it. Listen to Cut 5. Well, because they gave it to the FBI. The FBI uh, took it. The FBI agent told the FBI agent he was afraid. He was afraid of consequences from so the So he violence. didn't, this, this, this man, he didn't give you guys the copy of the hard drive and pass over the actual hard drive to the FBI? No, he gave the FBI first. Okay. And he waited four or five months. Why do you think he held on to it? Well, he held on to four, he held on to four copies of it. He gave two to friends of his in case he was killed. <laughs> and he was, and he, uh, don't laugh. People, people Serious, get, yeah. This, this, the presidency is at stake here. And we have some very dangerous people involved. Fair. Uh, so, you know, I've, been in law enforcement long enough to know that you don't laugh at that. The, the, the reality is he kept four copies. He gave two to friends in case he, 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 he was killed. He waited about four months, five months. I'm not sure because my, my lawyer is one who talked to him about this. So I'm reciting what Bob told me. And then he sent some letters around to various uh, re- Republicans thinking they'd be interested in it. And apparently we were the first to respond hmm. and, or, or the only one to respond or the first or whatever. Now, isn't that interesting? They were the only ones to respond out of all the Republicans who were notified about this. Wouldn't this necessarily be something Republicans would leap to investigate immediately? What is going on? What is going on with these people? And Steve Bannon, who's been in with Rudy Giuliani on on revealing all of this, has said in an interview with The Revolver, Joe Biden is a liar, a fraud, and compromised by Chinese cash. In short, he is a national security crisis. The hard drive combines emails and text messages that show a massive involvement with companies controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And also there are 25,000 images that show a drug-addled, depraved lifestyle, one that decent, hardworking Americans will not want near the White House. And we only have 5% of the information off those hard drives. So it's going to be a bombshell week, I'm sure, as we lead into the election right around the corner. Whew. Crazy times. We'll be back on Janet Meffer today. If you could provide God's word to a Bibleist believer elsewhere in the world, would you? 
Through the Ministry of Bible League International, you can send that Bible today. Hebrews 13.3 urges us to remember those in great need, noting that when the body of Christ anywhere is found lacking, we're encouraged to help provide it. These believers live where churches are small and remote, where authorities aren't welcoming of Christianity, and where Bibles are scarce. As Pastor Carlo in Peru says, they need the hope found only in God's Word. Everyone wants to read the Bible, but what happens there are a few copies here in the area. Many of them will uh, be sharing the single Bible. For only $5, believers around the world will receive Bibles and be discipled in their new faith. $35 sends seven Bibles, $100 sends 20. And because of a matching gift right now, your gift will be doubled. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. For several years now, Syrians have been pouring into the country of Lebanon to seek refuge amid terrorism and civil war. Now the crisis in Lebanon has escalated in the aftermath of COVID-19, a crumbling economy, and a devastating explosion in Beirut. Yet the spiritual crisis in Lebanon is the most devastating crisis of all because many people there have still never heard anything about Jesus. That's why Heart for Lebanon is on the ground ministering to hurting refugee families in the South and the Bekaa Valley in Lebanon, providing emergency supplies, Christian education, Bible studies, and worship gatherings for these refugee families. And the impact is incredible. Your investment of $116 will help two families impacted by the crisis in Lebanon to get emergency supplies that they need to survive during the next 60 days. But best of all, these families will hear the gospel of Jesus for the very first time. A gift of $58 is enough to help one family. Can you help? Call now, 888 888- Two four seven fifty four ninety nine. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now here's Janet. Something else you ought to know about when it comes to social media censorship is what happened to Dr. Scott Atlas. You know him as a member of the White House's scientific team battling the coronavirus. He's a senior fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institute, and he put out a few tweets about masks, and they closed down his account. They suspended him. They suspended him. It's unbelievable. The Federalist reports on this. Twitter finished its week of apparently politically motivated censorship on its platform by banning tweets regarding the efficacy of masks from Scott Atlas. He not only had his tweets removed, he was banned from tweeting until he deleted the tweets that Twitter, for unclear reasons, objects to. Well, they're not that unclear. And it was funny because, not funny haha, but funny peculiar to see this. He said, actually, originally, masks work? No. L.A., Miami, Hawaii, Alabama, France, Philippines, U.K., Spain, Israel. World Health Organization says widespread use not supported and there are many harms, etc. Then he said in another tweet, that means the right policy is Donald Trump's guideline. Use masks for their intended purpose when close to others, especially high risk. Otherwise, social distance. No widespread mandates. Hashtag common sense. And he was censored for saying that, which means we're in new territory here. When you start censoring the White House staff and they've censored you know, tweets from the president before and banned videos that he's put out on his Twitter feed and now they're going after a member of the team that's in charge of giving us medical advice concerning the coronavirus. Twitter knows more about the coronavirus. No, Twitter knows more about what the left wants to do to censor conservatives and to censor any message that's going to get in the way of the power trip by the left. And this is, I really believe when this is all over, we're going to find out all kinds of skullduggery, as they say, 
about this whole thing. I'm not saying that the virus isn't real. It is real. Real people have suffered and real people have died. And that is a tragedy. But all of these lockdowns and the bad advice about the masks and you have to comply with the tyranny unless you're an abortion clinic. But if you're a church, you've got to comply on and on and on. And let me give you another another angle on this because I think it all kind of tank all kind of goes together. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. There were a couple of incidents over the weekend where you had Trump supporters literally attacked, physically attacked and harmed uh, in, in significant ways. For example, a man by the name of Philip Anderson was in San Francisco where police said there were six people injured, including three police officers during clashes. See, this is what they say when they don't want to impugn one side that really did all of it. Clashes between a small group of President Trump supporters and a larger crowd of counter protesters near the Civic Center on Saturday. Yes, this guy got his teeth knocked out. You can see pictures of him on the Internet. Philip Anderson. Uh, hundreds of counter protesters, leftists came out. And you know what they left out of the story? If you watch the video on the Internet, all they did was this man is black and all of these white fascist, you know, I call them fascists because they are fascists. These anti-fascist fascists were using the N-word over and over and over and over and they censored the whole thing out. And when they wrote about it in these newspapers, they didn't even mention it. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? So that's a little bit more censorship for you. Clashes. Sure, clashes. Then you have this story. Isabella DeLuca is the outreach director for the pro-Trump organization Republicans for National Renewal. She was attacked by multiple Black Lives Matter and Women's March far-left activists after DeLuca advocated for confirming Coney Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett, this conservative judge to the Supreme Court. Um, This is from, I think this is from the National File. DeLuca described being assaulted by a geriatric older female, kind of redundant. In an exclusive statement to the National File, she said the first woman was a white older woman. She had glasses on, a glittery bedazzled Black Lives Matter shirt. She could have been my grandma. The Black Lives Matter supporter grabbed DeLuca's Trump flag. And then when DeLuca attempted to grab it back, the woman punched and choked her. I don't see wall-to-wall coverage on this. Trump supporters getting physically assaulted just for showing up. But that's what's happening. We've already had Trump supporters killed. And that's not reported on very much either. Just bury it, bury it, bury it, bury it, censor it. Keep it from being known. Keep it from being known. They go on to say, due to the advanced age of the woman and her presumably fragile condition, DeLuca felt reluctant to defend herself, but was determined to get her Trump flag back. It was at that moment that a much younger female leftist arrived on the scene and began joining her older compatriot in hitting, pushing and punching DeLuca. Right. These women are strong women. Oh, these Women's March women are just the greatest. They just care about women's rights and they care about justice. Right. And they care about free speech, right? Here's the perfect example of what I'm talking about. This particular, I think it's a TikTok video. This particular video was making the rounds on social media over the weekend. I'm going to play a little portion of it for you. Because I think these videos of these crazed women that are showing up on Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere 
really tell the tale better than words can about the mentality of a lot of these people who are caught up in all of this leftist activism. And it would seem to me that a lot of them are not thinking at all. It's all emotional. It's all reactive. And it's very, very scary. Listen to this woman talk about Republicans and the state of democracy. This is cut two. Listen to me, Republicans. Listen. You are the people in history they warned us about. They warned us about people like you. Pay attention. We're losing our democracy. Wake up. That's a little unhinged, wouldn't you say? That's really unhinged. And there are all kinds of videos that keep getting released of leftist women, usually younger women. That woman was a little older, but of, of these younger women who are all caught up in the leftist ideology going totally berserk. And every time I watch one of those, I think to myself, if I could take that woman aside and pick her brain and say, which policies do you think are really problematic when it comes to what President Trump has done in this country? What's upsetting you? Is it abortion? For a lot of these women, it is. You know something? Here's a really important point for us to consider as Christians. Look what happens when you get involved in the devil's business. You get involved in darkness. You get involved in despair. You get involved in absolute freak out without any sort of rational thought or peace or joy coming to prevail upon you in that moment. It's just emotionalism. Reminds me a little bit of some of the demon-possessed people that Jesus cast. Seriously, it, it, that's what it reminds me of. I'm not saying the woman is possessed by a demon, but that's what it would seem to me it would be like if you really were around somebody who is demon-possessed because it's so out there. These women have been taken captive by the enemy to do what is wrong, either when it comes to abortion or, or supporting abortion or getting involved in supporting socialist ideals These people have lost it. They aren't thinking straight. They have been believing a lie from the pit. Now, I'm not trying to say that the Republican Party is the Christian party and they do everything right. They certainly do not. And I would never make that argument. But when I see what the left is doing with the censorship and the darkness and the lies and the cheating and the immorality and the culture of death, It's just one thing after another, and it's overwhelming. And what do you do when you have politicians involved in evil? But then furthermore, what do you do when you have the people at a level of evil that is such that they don't even care if their politicians are corrupt? They don't care if their politicians even show up. Biden isn't even showing up for rallies. Where's Kamala Harris? Their whole strategy is we're just not going to show up and hope for the best during this election. This is unprecedented for somebody to somebody's on a national ticket, a major party of the United States, not campaigning. Elect me. I'm going to go in the basement now. I'm not even going to do it. I'm not going to do the next debate. Well, I don't know if the next debate will take place or not. It remains to be seen. But even SNL over the weekend was making fun of the fact that the questioners of Biden were, were reduced to uh, supporters of the Democratic Party and alternatively people who hate Trump. I mean, it's a joke, but that really was the reality. Meanwhile, Savannah Guthrie is going after Trump like nobody's business about QAnon, which has nothing to do with what President Trump's policies are and has nothing to do with him. So this is where we are, and it's a very dark moment. And I would just encourage you, please pray for your country. 
Pray for these people. Pray for the politicians. Pray for the good politicians who are trying to get to the bottom of this scandal because it really is the case, as many people have pointed out, if this is a story that has tentacles all the way down into many, many aspects of the deep state, then we're talking about a real national crisis here on the cusp of a presidential election. So pray, 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 and ask the Lord to have mercy on us. He's our only hope. Thank you for being with us. We'll leave it there, but we'll see you next time right here on Janet Meffer Today.